Hi friends. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving, spending time with family and friends and taking a break from work. Just real quick, I just want to thank you for the support that you're giving to this podcast. Your feedback means a lot to me and the team that we work with at Village Seventh-day Adventist Church. I just want to update you on the projects that are happening around here. Village Seventh-day Adventist Church is building a church in Montana at an Indian reservation. So if you can pray for that project, that would be great. But if you'd like to be heavily involved in this project and support it financially, please visit our website, villagesd.org. And here is the show. We had the exam, the CT scan, the blood draw, the, the analysis of the blood, and now she's to sit down with me and give me a full report. And she said, this is unbelievable. As I have read through your records, everything you've gone through, I've never seen this before. Wow. This is utterly amazing. So no sign of cancer, CT scans clear, your blood work, your blood work isn't perfect. We don't think there's anything wrong. So other than that, you're in perfect health. I am Michael Xarona, and you're listening to Why I Am Here, a show that shares the incredible stories of our guests and how they can inspire you to have a closer walk with God. Today's show is a continuation of a three-part series of the testimony of Dr. Benson. And if you haven't listened to part one and part two, I advise you to stop right now and go back and listen to these parts because the whole story will make sense if you listen to part one and part two. So on today's show, we're going to find out finally how God completely healed Dr. Benson. And I hope that if you're going through trials, tribulations, and if you're facing discouragement in your life, Dr. Benson's story will help you to be strong in God and to believe in him. Well, the time finally came to leave the house and leave the Mayo Clinic. We were at that house for a full month. I cannot tell you what a blessing that home was, to be there in the sunroom every day, to have my wife with a full kitchen, to cook the most nourishing food and to help me get back my strength. So the month had gone, I'd had many episodes. You see, the doctors had installed a drain mm -hmm. in my abdomen. In my side, this tube came out and it filled a little bag and that tube was supposed to have been removed just a few days after surgery. However, here I am a month later, the tube still in me. In fact, I'm going home with the tube in me. I guess it was really uncomfortable to have it. Very uncomfortable. Uh -huh. If God is so merciful, he does not let us see the future. Had I known that I was going to have this tube in me for months, mm -hmm that would have changed my perspective of the future. And God knew that that wouldn't be good for me to think about. Right. And he did not let me see that. The doctors say, oh, that's, that tube should be coming out any day. And I kept thinking, certainly the next time I go to the doctor, they will He's take, it, take out. it out. But now I'm going home and that tube has to be irrigated every day. In fact, that was the main problem that kept me going back into the emergency room. The tube would plug up and then it caused excruciating pain. Hmm. Pain that, that finally caused them to change the tube, put it in differently. That seemed to help at first, but then one of the little valves at the end, the little stopcock, mm -hmm. began getting plugged up. And my wife finally in desperation, she said, I'm a nurse, and I know that that needs to be cut out of there. And she improvised and started creating different attachments for that tube until she could make it work better. And that wow. significantly helped. But there I was with that tube. Mm -hmm. It did not feel comfortable at all. We drove home. My wife had to drive the entire distance. It's eight to nine hours, depending on the weather. And it was snowing. The snow was heavy on the ground. And as we neared home, there was that relief, I'll finally be home. Right. You can sleep better in your own home. Yes, on your own bed. My own bed, yes. It's just such a much nicer spot to be at. 
We love the home we were at,、mm-hmm. but there's no place like, like true home. home. Yes. I want you to think back. Maybe you've never heard this story. It was popular. I, I, I heard it on and off as a teenager、mm-hmm. when I was young. It wasn't my style of music. But there's a little story I want to tell you. This is a story about a man in the song that went to prison. Mm-hmm. Why he went to prison, I have no idea. Maybe he wasn't even guilty, but falsely accused. We don't know the story. But he either had a lover or a fiance that he was going to marry. But after spending three years in jail or whatever the time was, he'd finally gotten out of jail, and he was coming back to see her.、Mm. Would she take him back? And the question was in his mind: Would, would she accept me? And so he wrote a note to her, and said, "I'll be coming. Will you accept me back? If you will, tie a yellow ribbon, a yellow ribbon on that old oak tree. Oh. And I'll be on the bus. And as we come to the tree."、Mm-hmm. If there's that ribbon, I know I'm welcomed home. I know I'm welcomed home. Wow! And if it if it's not there,、mm-hmm. I'll keep riding on the bus. You know what an emotional time! What emotional time! That's right. And the song is is such a a great song、mm-hmm. in that there was hope, there was anticipation. And then, when he came to the old oak tree, he had to ask the bus driver, "Tell me, is there a ribbon? Is there a ribbon?" Wow. Well, I want you to think about me going home、uh-huh. at the same time. You see, I had helped a couple of students. They'd come to my office one day, individually. They needed help.、Mm-hmm. And I assisted them the way I knew was the right way. And these students were so grateful. These students had quietly gone around the college campus, and quietly raised money for my travel. These students raised over three thousand dollars, and brought it to my house one night. Wow, that's incredible. When I was at the Mayo Clinic. Uh-huh. Going through the surgery, recovering in the pain, I could think back on what those students had done for me. Huge expression of love and appreciation, and、A、to say huge... we are here for you. That's right. Uh huh. And when I came home, there's also a, a ribbon that's tied for cancer. You can imagine、mm-hmm. as we drove in the driveway. It's just starting to get dark, and there is a great big sign at the entrance to my driveway.、Hmm. We tied the yellow ribbon for you. Wow! We want you to get over cancer. Welcome home. That is amazing. And then on the fence, there was ribbon after ribbon after ribbon after ribbon all the way to the house. The fence was filled with ribbons. I was so astounded. I went out and I counted those ribbons. Three hundred and four ribbons. Three hundred and four ribbons. Now these aren't ribbons you just go and buy like a Christmas present. Right. These were hand-tied ribbons. Hmm. Let me tell you, that type of loving care. How did you feel seeing all、oh, these ribbons around? I was just overwhelmed with joy. I was overwhelmed with, with gratitude,、mm-hmm. that two young people would care about me that much. Can you imagine what that did to my healing? That made me say, "I'm gonna get well. I, I'm gonna endure whatever pain is before me yet. This life is worth living." That's amazing. That's amazing. It brought a lot of hope that there are people who care for you. Besides your wife, there are people who are actually thinking of you, people who want you to overcome and to win this battle. I believe 
You know, Jesus tells a story uh-huh. about, you know, well, Lord, when did we do these things to you? I don't remember going and visiting you in prison. I don't remember. I think there's going to be two young people. Mm-hmm. Yes, but you tied the yellow ribbon for me to show love to Amen. someone who is hurting. Amen. So now you get home and... I'm home. Yes. And and now, yes, slowly there was some healing. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I needed to start the chemo all over again. The doctor said, as soon as you get home and get settled, go to the local cancer place, wherever you can get treatments, and you must get on to the chemo program again. Not with a Bay drug. That was only for pre-surgery. Mm-hmm. Now, post-surgery is just the simpler but the very powerful standard cancer drugs, gemcitabine and cisplatin. And so I went and located a doctor, mm-hmm. and we began the treatments. Now, while at the Mayo Clinic, the gemcitabine and cisplatin, because, because of the Bay drug, the doctors quickly learned with every one of us that that Bay drug really creates almost a level of intolerance where they had to cut back the dosage mm. of the gemcitabine and cisplatin. And so they cut them back to half dose and then gave all these other drugs and things. So eight bags of IVs was part of the treatment. But now, now that I'm on just the standard post-surgery chemo. Mm-hmm. It was only four hours of infusion instead of six. That was better than than six. It's better. But it's not where you want to be. The doctor assured me, this uh-huh. is going to be so much easier for you. This is going to be so much simpler. If you endured what went on at the Mayo Clinic, this is going to be a breeze. So I was fairly upbeat and optimistic. Except when the treatment was done, I didn't feel good. And I was not hungry. There was no way I could eat. You didn't have appetite? Oh, no, not at all. And I thought, wow, I guess I've been off the chemo for too long. I guess I got used to it. Wow, this has really thrown me for a loop. Mm-hmm. The two weeks went by, and I had to go back for the next treatment. And once again, it's like I was walloped with this chemo that just really was hard to take. Several weeks went by, or several treatments went by, and finally I said to the doctor, I said, what's going on? Well, I don't know. There's, I don't know why you're not tolerating it better. Maybe you just need to, you know, stiffen up and take it, you know, like a man, you know? I mean, everyone else does it. I don't know why you can't too. He, very unsympathetic, very uncaring. He never spent more than about five minutes with me and, okay, I'm on to the next patient. See you next time. Hmm. And I thought, boy, this is not the kind of treatment I've been used to. Yes. And my wife began going back over all the details. And Mm -hmm. suddenly she said, they're giving you double the dosage. It's no wonder you're having a hard time. They are giving you full doses. Hmm. And so we called the, the doctor at the Mayo Clinic my oncologist, and we talked to him, and he said, well, that's probably what they should be doing because we don't have the Bay drug anymore. And I said, wow, any way they can cut it back? Well, you can talk to them, but I don't think they're going to cut it back. I think they're going to keep giving you full dose. The full dose. I talked to him. I said, can't you reduce it a little bit? This is pretty tough to take. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, my drain is enough problem. Now I've got to go through this. I mean, I'm sick. It, it doesn't make me feel good. Can we cut this back? No, no. We need to continue along here. And then more complications came. I had to return to the Mayo Clinic, went through the replacement of the drain, mm-hmm. back to home again, now more more treatments, and it just became problematic. One day I called Anita at work. She was in surgery. I said, Anita, I think I think you need to come home. I'm not doing well. I think you need to take me in to see the doctor. I've already called and I've made an appointment. Mm-hmm. You, you need to take me. And she said, okay, I'll be right there. On the way to the hospital, I completely passed out. 
she had to pull off to the side of the road. She prayed, dear Lord, help me to help me to get him going again. And she took her fist and she hit me across the chest as hard as she could to try and get a reaction and get me mm-hmm. going. I was completely gone. I was completely unresponsive. And she did that a couple more times and then quickly pulled off and slapped me in the face, slapped me hard, and then gave me a couple of big lungfuls of air. Mm-hmm. And then she slapped me in the face a couple of more times. And finally, I started to rally a little bit and finally took a breath on my own. And she said, okay, start breathing. Listen to me. Breathe with me. And I was so out of it. I was groggy. I couldn't hardly talk. I couldn't hardly understand what she was saying. Mm -hmm. And she put my seat completely back to try and get blood to my head and said, I'm getting you to the emergency room as fast as I can. She said, I think I hit every red light in town. And it was so frustrating, but finally got you in and got you the medical help. There were scary situations that just continued to go. One after the other. One after the other. Uh It's like the devil is trying to tempt you. Give up. What are you trying to do? It isn't worth it. Did you ever feel like giving up at this moment? You know, at this moment, Uh I'd been through that one very dark, painful night. Right. And, And after that, it's like, no, I'm not giving up. It may be rough, but I'm not giving up. You have no idea how desperately I wanted that drain out. My wife would have to irrigate it. She'd have to push fluids into my body mm-hmm. through that. And I could feel them going in. It didn't feel good. And then she'd suck them back out and, and, and try to clean the drain. It was miserable. Night and morning she did that. And every time I took a shower, I had to be careful. Month after month went by. One day the doctor said, okay, it's time to pull the drain out. And he pulled the drain out. And then the complications really started. And I had to go back to the Mayo Clinic. Mm-hmm. And they had to reinsert another drain. Finally, it was June 6. And the drain finally came out for good. Praise the Lord. I was so happy to be end- ending with that drain. Mm-hmm. But the chemo continued. Mm-hmm. Once again, I can remember struggling you know, I, I always felt bad when someone had to drive me. And, and now we're going to the local cancer center, which was only a, a, about an hour and a half from home. Mm-hmm. And I said, surely I can drive that. But I couldn't. I was still so sick after that chemo treatment. I couldn't even get the hour and a half home. But once again, we had been following those eight natural remedies. Mm -hmm. You know, I had spoken earlier to you about depression and how that comes. And one of the things that my wife said one day when she came home to see me, she said, you know, I see you struggling with depression. And there's one thing that you haven't been doing, and that's you haven't been following the E and New Start. You haven't been doing the exercise. Uh She said, I want you to to try while I'm at work tomorrow. Try to get some exercise. You've got a treadmill downstairs. Did you have any strength to do that at this time? You know, I didn't. I could hardly at that time. This was back early before I had surgery. Right. I was so sick. I could hardly walk. There was a period of time where my my wife would wheel me at the Mayo Clinic in the wheelchair. I could not walk the distance to the office. Hmm. And so the Lord was very, very merciful and gracious. He sees the future. He sees what our needs are. I didn't have a treadmill. But when I came back to wait those 10 days to get into the clinical trial, I'd had my laparoscopic surgery. Mm -hmm. I'd met with the oncologist. They said, you're going to be in the clinical trial you're going to be in the study. And when I went back home, a friend had a trailer that I had to borrow. Mm-hmm. But on the trailer, when I went to borrow it, 
This was before I was diagnosed with cancer. Right. There's a treadmill. And so I had to get back in touch with him. I said, I, I couldn't borrow the trailer because there's a treadmill sitting on it. And I don't know what you want done with a treadmill. Oh, oh, I forgot about that treadmill. Yeah, that's my uncle's. It doesn't work. So I was going to haul it into the recycle place and get some money for it. So just shove it off into the weeds. And when you bring the trailer back, I'll load it back up and take it in. So I instead drove home with the, with the treadmill. treadmill, dumped it off at my house, uh-huh. and finished using the trailer. Soon after that, I had the pain. I was diagnosed with cancer, had to go to the Mayo Clinic, had laparoscopic surgery. Now I'm home recovering from laparoscopic surgery, which had its own set of pains that were different. So I mm-hmm. was home trying to take it easy but I wanted something to do. So I went downstairs into the basement and said, I had this treadmill brought in by some friends. Let me see if I can get it to work. work. God knew I was going to need a treadmill. And he gave me the wisdom to carefully open it up Mm -hmm. in places you're not supposed to open it. But I found a piece of debris in the wrong spot, cleaned it out, assembled it all back together, and it works perfectly. Wow. I still have it to this day and still use it. Really? Still use it. So I went downstairs now Uh and began using the treadmill. Now, how, how did I use it? Well, I would just very, very slowly, I mean, I don't think I'm hardly going one mile an hour. I'm just barely able to shuffle and get one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. And I tried doing that for a few days. And finally, I'm trying to encourage, come on, you got to do better. You got to, you've got to really put effort into this. We got to exercise. You know, Anita wants me to do this. We're a team. We've always been trying to to do this together. Mm -hmm. She always tried to eat the same meal. She didn't go off and have a cookie sometime or something else. She ate exactly the same meal I did. The same things that you ate for your recovery. Absolutely. No sugar, no dairy, fully plant-based. This is for your health. Leaving out all the starches, giving me just the vital nutrition. She found on the, on the internet, she could go to who.com, worldshealthiestfoods.com. This is a website that has website. that has different types of foods that will help your body. They're listed according to what are they high in? What are the the vitamins or minerals that they are high in? Mm. So when she would look at my blood report, mm-hmm. she would say, "Oh, your blood is really down. Let me try to build your blood up naturally with giving you these vitamins or these minerals." So she would look on that website, what food has this or that that she needed? And so she was able to create the food high in that nutrition. And in simplicity, she's a a wonderful person that always wants to make things as simple as possible. When we first got married, she said, oh, she said, I can see you don't know much about nutrition. Let me give you some basic basic tips. If you want to create a healthy meal, Mm -hmm. think about the colors of the rainbow. Put at least five colors together in your meal. Something that's green, something that's yellow, something that's brown. Try to get at least five variants. And if you can't that meal, then make sure you have some different colors, something that looks different for a different meal. Right. Try to get as many colors like as you this can. This is the basic principle. You'll never go wrong if you have a rainbow on your plate. You'll never go wrong. Uh-huh. You're going to have the things you need. So um, when it came to the, the needs that I had mm-hmm. while I'm going under this chemo and my body needs health so desperately, the simplistic thing that she found was get as many green leafy vegetables as, as possible. possible. Lightly steam collards, kale, spinach, broccoli, mm-hmm. these things that sometimes people don't like. Brussels sprouts. You know, can you right. can you imagine? Not many people like Brussels sprouts. Those are the things she began getting and encouraging me to eat. 
yeah i didn't like brussels sprouts either <laughs> because they kind of taste bitter <laughs> a little bit but when they are cooked well they taste really good fortunately i have always had a liking for brussels sprouts hmm. i didn't like kale i have to admit and when you eat collards unless you have some other things they can be pretty bad mm -hmm. but what i learned is when you get them fresh from the garden we have we were lucky to have a garden and the year that i was juicing with all the kale and having fresh kale salad uncooked and then lightly steamed kale mm -hmm. all these different variations of kale because it is highly nutritious we were growing it from our garden and that year can you imagine the grace of god that he kept the kale growing until after christmas really i was picking on a daily basis every day i would put on a coat it would be snowing, snowing. it would be raining i would go out to the garden and for my morning juice i would pick fresh kale leaves from the garden from the garden let me tell you that fresh produce makes mm -hmm. all the difference and then just think about the vitamins and minerals right they right. haven't started their slow death yet mm -hmm. they're still alive and that's what you need to be able to have good blood yes and have more white blood cells to be able to fight yes at this moment, Dr. Benson is using natural remedies. He's using the kale, he's using juicing, he's using different kinds of things that are natural to his body. And his body is responding. But when we come back, we'll find out more on how these things contributed to his final healing. This program is sponsored by Village Seventh-day Adventist Church. If you would like to learn more about Village Church, please visit villagesda.org. Are you wondering how you can spend the financial blessings God has given you? Join Village Church as we partner with the El Salvadorian Union to build the first Adventist college in El Salvador. If you would like to learn more about this opportunity, please visit villagesda.org. So how long did the chemotherapy go? The chemotherapy continued, uh -huh. and it continued. June went by, now July. We got to the end of July, and now I began to run a fever. Anita tried hot and cold foot baths, but the fever wouldn't go away. Mm -hmm. This was a low-grade fever. It wasn't high, but it didn't make me feel good. 100, 101 just in that low grade and I also sensed that I was having a ringing in my ears hmm. I hadn't had that before but I also noticed I'm getting tingling in my fingertips and I'm getting sensation on my scalp well Anita has always done a lot of reading about this mm -hmm. and even some of the reading I had read I'd picked up the fact that those are the signs, the preliminary signs of permanent hearing loss that will progressively get worse and worse until you become deaf hmm. caused by the chemo. These are the beginning signs of permanent neuropathy where you will lose all feeling. So now you have all these signs. Three signs all at once. Then I called my doctor at the Mayo Clinic. Mm -hmm and said, Doctor, I have been praying about this lately, and I have three signs I can't get rid of that are telling me, and I believe God is helping me think these things, mm -hmm. that it's time to stop the chemo. No, 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 no. You're only about halfway through the chemo. I, I've been doing chemo for months now. Right. I think it's time to stop. No, 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 no. Actually, you're only halfway through. You need to go the whole distance. But doctor, you know what these signs are. Yes, yes, I know. They're not fun signs, but there are hearing aids. Yes. What about neuropathy? Mm -hmm. Well, you'll learn to wear some gloves or some things to protect your hands. I said, doctor, I really believe 
that God is using these signs to tell me to stop. Yeah, like a warning. You know, we talked uh-huh. for a good 30 minutes, and he kept trying to insist. Finally, he said, you know, you are the only patient that's got this far. Your surgeon is going to be very, very unhappy. Because if you get this far, and then you quit the chemo, and then the cancer comes back, and you pass away, what a disappointment. Hmm. I said, "What? Well, why don't we make that a test? You know that I'm a praying man. Right. And I'm going to pray that if this is God impressing me to stop the chemo, then God will also impress him not to give any pushback and say, hey, what are you thinking trying to stop chemo now? We're not going to stop chemo. We need to keep going with the chemo. So if he gives pushback, Mm -hmm. I'll continue the chemo. But if he doesn't give any pushback, then that's the sign that God truly was trying to tell me it's time to stop. Mm -hmm. You see, I believe that God wants us to listen to our bodies. Why do we commune with God if it isn't to talk about the things that are ailing us? Right, right. And if God is helping us, then we should talk with our doctors. Mm -hmm. And if we do have the fortune for having a godly doctor who is also praying to God, look at that perfect triangle. There is the greatest strength and healing you could ask for Mm -hmm. because God is guiding both sides. Amen. So he said, well, let me ask you this. What if the cancer comes back? What are you going to think? I said, I'm not going to think any different than I think right now. You would not blame us because we didn't insist? Of course not. Why would I choose your advice if God says, sorry, you've gotten this far, but I now have a shorter road for your path? Mm -hmm. I said, that's it. And I want to die with a smile on my face. Yeah. You know, Uh that was my attitude. Then you aren't going to blame us. No, of course not. Then let me tell you some things. Number one, I know why your fever is is there. The port that goes up through your neck and down into your heart. Typically what happens on the end, some little bacteria begins forming after the port has been in your body for many months. Mm-hmm. You have had that port a very long time. So it's very probable that the bacteria that it is having bacteria is having some bacteria and uh-huh. it breaks off and causes this fever. We need to remove the port immediately. I said, well then that's additional reason to stop the chemo. Well, we would try to to use the IVs in your arm to continue giving you the chemo. But doctor, you know the danger of that. Mm-hmm. It'll eat up the veins. Right. There have been patients that have lost their arms because of that type of treatment. I said, no, I don't want to do that. I want to have the port out, and it's done. We're done with chemo. I can see you're determined, and you really believe what you're saying. Now let me say the last part. We have no idea if we have given you too much chemo or not enough. We don't know if six weeks or 106 weeks Mm -hmm. is what you should have. We are in totally uncharted territory. Wow. So if that's what you'd like to do, get here as fast as you can, and I'll schedule the surgery to have the port removed. Mm -hmm. My first appointment was with my surgeon. When the door opened and he came in, He took a look at me, and he hollered, Jackie, come in here. Come and meet him. He's the one that we operated on months and months ago. Look at how healthy he looks. He's here to get the port out. He's done with chemo. Let's schedule that surgery for tomorrow morning. Like that? Just like that. Wow. How did that sound? There was no pushback. 
And I was oh, smiling from ear to ear. I was <laughs> so happy. The port will be out. Mm-hmm. I'm done with chemo. Let me tell you, from that point on, it was only, I believe, a week later that I went to my original doctor again, mm-hmm. the one that discovered my case, and met with him and said, Doctor, how, do, how am I? Am I ready for work again? And he said, I would be privileged to give you a letter certifying that you are eligible for full-time work. Wow. Can you imagine that? Wow. That is amazing. So, but at this time, how did you feel? Did you feel like you're strong and you you have strength to yes, go and work? Yes. No pain at all? You know, God builds us with all these parts of our body. Uh-huh. Um, I can remember as a kid, uh, I can remember some doctors referring, we don't even know what a gallbladder does. You know, it's just one of those strange organs of your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I don't have one. I don't have half of my liver. Um, actually, I don't have two-thirds of my liver. But amazingly, the liver is one of the very few organs mm-hmm. that will reproduce and regrow back itself, to, not to its full size, not to two parts. It will just be one larger than normal part that will compensate for the two parts, the right oh. and left lobe. And and so my liver had already began growing back, and the doctor said, wow, it looks very healthy. Everything is doing fine. And so this is this is great news. Praise the Lord. So when I began thinking about hard work, uh-huh. I had to admit, when I work a long day, we had firewood to, to, to stack. Mm-hmm. It's not quite the same as it used to be. I could work a hard day, really be tired. The evening comes, you know what? I've got to finish getting that, that, that firewood split. I've got to get that finished up. But where's the energy now? Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of push through, you kind of power through that last evening. Mm-hmm. I don't have it anymore. It's like there's a storage in the gallbladder or something that I'm now missing, I don't have anymore. And when I get to the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's like I'm truly end, ending. I'm out of steam. So that one little difference. You can still feel it. I can feel that it's the, that that's there. But does that stop me from working long hours? Um, I, I work long hours. Um, I went to Africa. I went to, I, I took on a most challenging job, which is a whole nother story. Okay, just a snippet. What was the most challenging job? This would be really interesting to hear. Well, a, a year later, uh-huh. okay, I'm, I'm off. I worked at the university for a full year, and suddenly I had a call to go to Africa to be the president of a university there. Mm-hmm. And so I said, let me, let me think about that. With my health, in my spirit, it is absolutely I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go right now. I feel like I'm ready to go. Uh But my judgment says I need to reflect and don't make a rash decision. But my my decision to go was in gratitude for what God had done. Yes. You call me to Africa. If it's your calling, I'm going. I'm going. And so I said, give me just a little bit of time. I would like to consult with my main doctor at the Mayo Clinic. Mm-hmm. You see, I began to go back every six months for a continued checkup. Every six months, they gave me a CT scan because they're expecting this cancer to return. Yes. Within two to three months, it normally does. And my cancer, my CT scans for cancer had been negative thus far. And so I said, my next visit is in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Let me let me check with the doctor. And I had a new doctor that was assigned to me. That my previous oncologist had left the Mayo Clinic and had moved to the West Coast. And so we had the exam, the CT scan, the blood draw, the, the analysis of the blood. And now she's to sit down with me and give me a full report. And she said, This is unbelievable. As I have read through your records, everything you've gone through, I've never seen this before. Wow. This is utterly amazing. 
So, um, no sign of cancer. CT scans clear. Your blood work, your blood work isn't perfect uh, because we've noticed, and like your other oncologist said, when you have a dramatic surgery to the liver, mm-hmm. for some reason, some of the enzymes or the what the liver produces is higher than normal. And so we just think that's going to be high the rest of your life. There's no negative outcome from that. Your body doesn't object to that. It would deal with it. It'll deal with it. Mm-hmm. We don't think there's anything wrong. So other than that, you're in perfect health. So I said, good. Now I have a question for you. Uh-huh. Would you go to Af- Africa? Would you take a job in Africa? And I don't think she heard the word job because she said, Africa? Absolutely. <laughs> go. And when you get back, I want to see all the pictures. I love to go there. That, that it was going to be just a short time. Yeah, like a vacation, a vacation or a trip. Maybe three weeks or a month and then you come back. Yes. But you're going to accept a full-time job. Full-time job. Full-time job. Hmm. She said, wow. Okay, I get it now. So you're asking me this question because if you were going to live there a long time, would your health be at a point where it would be compromised because of malaria, because of yellow fever, donkey fever, Mm -hmm. all the different things that you may face there? That's a good question. Now, I had been praying for the last three weeks. Dear God, I want the answer from my new doctor mm-hmm. to be words that you would speak to me. I want this to be the sign whether I should accept the job or not. Should I really go or not? And so she said, well, in that case, I need to recommend according to your health. Here's what I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, I expected her to say, you know, it might not be the best decision because of your health. Right. You see, they had told me, when you were young, you took a lot of Advil or Tylenol or Excedrin because you had migraine migraine headaches. Mm-hmm. But now that you've had your liver surgery, that we are suggesting case. that you never, ever, the rest of your life, take any pain medications of any kind. What's wow. What's amazing is I've never needed to. That is I amazing. have so educated myself about health that I began to see signs of a headache starting, and I immediately take steps, and I've never had anything more than a slight headache for a very short time and have never used medications. I am on no medications now, and I haven't been since I ended the chemo. That is amazing. But despite that, I expected her to give these precautionary things, you know? Yeah, just to be careful. You know, what about if I have to take some of the medications for malaria, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, is, is that going to... Here's what she said. In that case... My answer is, go, go, go! Wow. And she said it just that way. She put her hand in, go! Really? And I said... Were you surprised? I was shocked. But I said, that's the kind of answer I wanted because that's, to me, God speaking with enthusiasm. And now I am thrilled. And it's not even a, a doubting answer like, you may and this might happen. It's Nothing like of the sort. Clear. Nothing. Go. No. And then you went to Africa? I went to Africa. Wow. For how long? I was there for 14 months. 14 months. Yes. Those were wonderful, wonderful situations that my wife and I, when we were called back to go to another call, Another school needed us, and we were called back to go and help them. Mm -hmm. My wife and I cried tears to leave Africa. Mm -hmm. The student association president came with his officers and begged us, please don't go. You have done more for us 
in the 14 months you've been here mm -hmm. than we could ever have imagined. Please don't go. It was the hardest thing to leave Africa. Wow. But we sensed that God was calling us to a new assignment. I think, in a which sense, part, God... Which part of Africa were you? Rwanda. You were in Rwanda? Yes. Wow. And I think sometimes God calls to say, are you willing? I did a lot for you. Mm -hmm. Are you willing? And I can tell you that if you accept the challenge God has for you, you will never regret it. That's I will right. treasure those months we spent over there. Were they hard? Of course they were hard. Mm -hmm. God's call isn't a call to ease. It's, his, it's a call to do service. And when you give, it will come back to you many times over. And so we were greatly rewarded. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, there's one thing that I wanted to mention. Mm -hmm. I started a couple of times, but then we kind of got sidetracked onto something else. <laughs> and that was the treadmill. Okay. You see, God had miraculously, once again, looking into the future and saw the need for that treadmill. And he miraculously made that available to me. Mm -hmm. And now I had that treadmill. I can remember one day after Anita, she would come home, try to encourage me and just go and cry and cry. Lord, how can I encourage him? He's discouraged. What can I do? And so she said, exercise. You've got to exercise. I can remember going down this one day. I had made several attempts, but this one day I was going to determinedly try to go for at least half an hour. And I went downstairs and began walking. And I walked and I walked. You see, when you're in that, that fog of depression, mm -hmm. your mind doesn't work right. And finally, after I was convinced, I know it's been at least half an hour. I mean, this treadmill has all kinds of things on it to tell you time. It's like I didn't even know they were there. But I went back called. upstairs uh -huh. to look at the clock, which I had carefully noted. It had been only five minutes, and not felt 30. Like it felt like 30 minutes. It felt like 30 minutes. This is how hard it was. This is how hard it was. I continued to struggle, but it was shortly after that that God impressed me to take my iPad down with me. Mm -hmm. I took my iPad and for the first time turned it to the Bible. I turned it to Genesis 1-1. And there was a function I had never used before. Oh, I used my iPad for the Bible. Sure. Mm -hmm. but not to just start and go through the Bible. And I turned on the voice so that I could listen to someone reading the Bible while I followed with my eyes. And I set that going, and I started the treadmill. And as I listened, it's like I went off in a trance, enthralled with the story of creation. Hmm. the story of Genesis, the story of Jacob. And as I began day after day listening, it was Im an immediate habit because it took my mind off of the drudgery of walking on the treadmill. Right. And listening to the Bible, listening to someone read that, mm -hmm. and my eyes following at the same time, I began s seeing things I don't remember reading that before. Because now I've got two inputs, now at the same time, mm -hmm. helping me see something I, I hadn't learned. It was maybe a week or two weeks later, 10 days, I don't remember exactly. But I looked down at the treadmill, the odometer, and I had walked two and a half miles. Two and a half miles. Two and a half miles. I said, if I can do that, that's got to be my daily. Wow. I, will, I will walk at least two miles every day. From that point on, the depression never came back. Wow. I believe that exercise is critical in uplifting thoughts mm -hmm. to depression. And that combination, I have, since that time, read the Bible through numerous times. It has been a lifestyle that I'm trying to continue for the rest of my life. That's I right. remember HMS Richard Sr., uh -huh. who I had the privilege of listening to a number of times when I was small. 
I remember him or it be, been said about him that he reads through the Bible at least every six months. That's impressive. That's why he was such a student of the Bible. That's why he could give such powerful sermons. But for me, it was the overcoming of depression. Mm-hmm. It was elevating the thoughts and saying, oh, those foolish kings, what, what did they do that for? I mean, and I began to reflect on my own life and say, I've got to have more positive thoughts. Mm-hmm. I've got to. So it was, it was building my own spiritual values up and, and helping me. Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. Uh, from those five minutes that felt like 30, and now you could go for two and a half miles. Yes. Wow, that's incredible. And that's how you started feeling better. And Absolutely, yes. And went on, on a gradual, a steady graph of just going up and up and up until your spirits were up. Yes. Wow, that's incredible. Any final thoughts? Any words of encouragement to someone who may be in a difficult situation? I believe that if people would listen to the points that I tried to emphasize, yes, there is hope for the most dire cases. Mm-hmm. Hope dies last. As long as there's life, there's hope. That's right. And don't think that any case, whatever it is, uh-huh. is too difficult. There is hope. Amen. If there's hope for the thief on the cross who'd not done one good thing in his life that we know of, there's hope for me. Healing has its parallel with spiritual health. Mm-hmm. And if our spiritual health is, is improved in the process, then our physical health is improved. I think the two walk hand in hand. That's right. And so this whole story, this whole testimony, mm-hmm is not to be a story about me. That's not the point. The point is that God loves us so much. He sees what we're struggling with and he's ready and willing to touch us individually. Hey, thank you for sticking around and listening to the end. I hope this testimony helped you grow your faith and get closer to God. Just real quick, next week we'll be featuring Dr. Tom Wilson's story. Now, Dr. Tom Hoson's story is an amazing story as well. He almost lost his leg because of an accident that occurred to him whilst he was on a tractor. You don't want to miss this story. So keep your ears open for next week's episode. This is Michael Xarona, and you have been listening to Why I Am Here. For more episodes, please visit villagesda.org. We would like to thank Pastor Ron Kelly and his pastoral staff for making this show a reality. We would also like to thank Village Seventh-day Adventist Church in Bering Springs, Michigan for their support and sponsoring this show. If you would like your story to be featured on this show, please visit villagesda.org. If you have enjoyed this show, please remember to subscribe, review, and share with your friends. You can also listen to this show on your favorite podcast platform. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 